So this morning, I want to speak on the danger of drift. The danger of drift. Oh, yeah, Timmy, you were also here. Yeah, you were also here. I forgot you were also here. So, so you might have noticed there that as I started with a perfect action, by the time it got down to Justin, it was really a little bit distorted. It wasn't, what I, it wasn't really exactly what I had done. And I could have probably made it more complicated. It was quite a simple motion. But I mean, sure you remember as well as kids that, that broken telephone saying something. And by the time it comes, it's like, you start off with, I like chocolate. And by the time it gets there, it's like, I want coffee or something crazy. And so for me, what I wanted to just chat a little bit about is something that is inevitable, something that is happening all the time, and something that is around us always, and that is drift. Drift, the movement of something away from the original. How many of you know and realize that, that drift is happening constantly? It's not something that is act actively happening, it's passively happening. It's always happening in every area of day-to-day -day society, in our lives, whatever it is, drift is happening. Even the scientist's old uh, New, uh, Newman, who uh, developed the, the laws of thermodynamics, sorry, was it Newman? Oh, it's one of the guys. Sorry, Newton. Sorry, Newton. Newton. Spell check. I knew it was Newton. I looked at it. Maybe I was wrong. Entropy is the word he used, and he coined a word called entropy. And so scientists all over the world know what it means. And if you are any, uh, if you've had any science in school and might remember from back then, there we go. There were some laws of thermodynamics, the laws of nature, what goes up must come down, you know, all those kind of laws. And there was a law, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics, which broadly says the degree of disorder or uncertainty in a system, the degradation of the matter and energy in the universe to an ultimate state of inert uniformity. In other words, it is the general trend of the universe towards death and disorder. So everything moves from a state of order to a state of disorder. That's happening. That's happening. Actually, even evolutionists believe it. The Big Bang Theory that we've always heard about. Everything was structured in order, and this explosion happened, and everything just filtered out into chaos. Even in biology, there's, there's some terms used called osmosis, which means... <laughs> In simple layman's terms, moving from a place of order to a place of disorder. Actually, it's a little bit more complicated. Than I'm just simplifying it because I don't want to get lost in these scientific terms. I know Kian's saying, that's not really osmosis, Chad. <laughs> it's the movement of something from a region of high concentration to a low concentration through a semi-permeable membrane. Ha! <laughs> ha! Nerd alert! I did three years of bachelor science degree, so I know. I know. That's confusion. No, no, no. Diffusion is the natural movement of a concentrator just there. It doesn't go through a permeable membrane. <laughs> Stoosh, we drift. We're drifting. We're drifting. Look at that. It's happening. It can't be helped. Yes. Now you are. Nam, nam, namala. Come on. So for me, for us general plebs on the street here who don't go to varsity and do a three-year Bachelor of Science degree. We've all been down to the beach. 
Okay, we've all gone for a swim down at Vic Bay or Herald's Bay or wherever it is. And when we get down to the beach, what is the first thing we do when we get there? First, we find where we can sit, put our picnic blanket, our umbrella, and then we look, where are the flags? Ah, the lifeguards are there. That's where we can swim. Timmy, stop drawing on his leg. <laughs> it's distracting me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You're not a tattoo artist. <laughs> So the first thing we do when we go to the beach is we look where the flags are, because that's where we can swim. And we know those flags have been put there by professionals. I hope they're professionals. No, he's shaking his head. Because they've had a good assessment of the situation and the conditions, and they know where it's going to be safe for us to swim, that we're not going to get caught in the drift or the current. Hopefully, if they do their job properly, they've assessed that situation. They've taken a few minutes to look at... And a couple of you guys surf, eh? You, know, you guys know, surfers know all about drift. Actually, in, for a surfer, a drift can be a very good thing. But I won't go down that line. But for the bathers, for us oaks that don't, that don't regularly go down the beach, drifting is a bad thing. So we swim in those boundaries. And then and, and we go in, and often mom's saying to the kids, now that's where you swim. Don't go out. That's where the guys are. They're watching. And Nikki sometimes will do that to me because I like to go down there. <laughs> But the lifeguards are here, and I say, that's okay. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so then what happens? You, get, you, get, you put all your stuff down. You get into the water. You go for a swim. And, and inevitably what happens is you're constantly looking at those flags. <laughs> it's so frustrating. You can't just relax and swim. Because the moment you lift your feet off the ground and the moment a wave comes, poof, you washed out. And then what, is it, what do you hear? You see that arm come out, and there's people screaming and shouting, you get in, the, get in between the flags, get in between the flags. Am I the only one experiencing this? No. We've all, we've all seen it. We've all experienced it from some point, that you go for a swim, and you can't just relax, because that drift, especially at Herald's, man, yeah, that's worse. And on a day when the banks are right, and there's things are happening, the, the conditions, sorry, the banks and terminology, yeah, when the conditions or the sand is built up in a certain way, or whatever it is, the, the swell, that current or the rip or the drift, same thing, can be pulling quite strong that you can literally get in here and within 10 seconds, you're that side, 40 meters down, and you are having to hold, like I, I remember when we took Jenna for a swim one day, sorry Jenna, can I, can I use her as an example? We, we went to the, eh? what was both Nick's and Jen, we went down to Vic Bay, went for a swim and, and we were so keen to have a swim and the next thing, this rip was there, and I, the next thing there was Jenna. She got out the water. That was hectic. <laughs> Both her necks were like holding on to each other, holding their costumes on. It, it was chaos. It's like, okay, is everything still where it should be kind of thing? It was nuts. It was chaos. And we've all experienced that. Or is it just me? No, we have. Come on, you guys look at me. You all do it. You all done it. So drift is an it's a, it's a cra crazy thing. And, and it can be incredibly dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. I remember as a, uh, living in Cape Town a couple of years ago, there was a massive storm. One of those typical winter storms that hits Cape Town. And there was a, a boat just moored about oh, maybe a, between Table, Table Beach, Table Bay Beach and Robben Island. It was moored there. The southwest of the northwest of blue, great gales. Our windows rattled. The rain came in under every nook and cranny kind of thing. And th that morning we I took a drive to work, and there was this massive oil tanker 
waged on the beach. You remember that, eh, Dan? The Selly. The Selly. It was, this, it was opposite KFC, that one there. Is that, hey, the Selly one. Yeah. <laughs> Not after Andrew Selly. The Selly one was wedged there. And it was wedged there for quite a long time. They couldn't move it. They tried. They, they dredged the sand out. They did everything in their will and power. The only way they could finally get rid of that ship, which was a big asshole, was by cutting it with arc welders and laser cutters and things and cutting down off all the, all the stuff so it was deck out. And then they actually dynamited the thing um, one year. And it was quite funny. I think they were crazy. I don't know if they put too much dynamite, but I think there was shrapnel in the KFC roof or something like that. <laughs> that is crazy. And so, so that, that's real. I mean, it, actually, a few times living in Cape Town, often I remember the one day up Melkbush. Remember that those two, three, I think there were three fish, fishing trawlers up on Dardistian. It's a little spot between Melkbush and Tableview. Three fishing trawlers lodged up on the beach. And the only way they could get rid of the one fishing trawler was by actually pulling it up onto the beach, onto the road, on massive trucks, all the way back to the harbor. The thing was, they couldn't get it off. They didn't want to cut it up because it was worth a lot of money. It was cheaper for them to tow it off. And so... That's drift. It's dangerous. It happens. It's happening all the time. And how many of you realize and know that actually it's happening to us as well? It's happening. As we sit here, drift is happening. As we go into our homes, as we go into our schools and our marketplace, the drift is happening. And it's not so much of a drift of how thin I was at the age of 30 to, <laughs> to this little rounder figure at the age of 50, some 49, but there's a spiritual drift that's happening. There's a spiritual drift that's happening, and we see it in the Bible, actually, as well. We see it in the Bible. There's a couple of examples that I want to just raise your attention to of situations when men and entire nations drifted from the Lord, and how many of you know who am I speaking about specifically? Israel. And at the whole Old Testament, hey, we read through the entire, the entire journey of the Israelites. They were constantly drifting from the Word of God. They were constantly drifting for, from what He was telling them. There was this constant shift. They would come back and just they would, they, would de- they would degrade. And they would come back. And so much so that God actually would often get them taken out. <laughs> and they would get shipped off to captivity until they found him again, and then they'd come back again. It's constantly happening amongst the Israelites, this constant drift from the laws, this constant drift. Even as, the, as they traveled from Egypt to the promised land, there was this constant pull back to the old. Like it, it wasn't even something they were consciously doing, I, I, I don't believe. There, there's another important individual in the Bible that I think who really drifted from God, and that's King Solomon. How many of you know King Solomon? We all know who King Solomon is. The incredible king that led Israel for many years. He built, he was David, King David. We should know who King David is. He was man after God's heart. But King Solomon was his son who actually built the temple and was known for this incredible amount of knowledge and wisdom that he, he had that the Lord had actually given him. And if we read the account in First, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, sorry, I, I looked at it briefly. I can't remember where it was. But it's in Chronicles and Kings. If you look in those four books, somewhere around about there. Eh? First Kings, Second Chronicles. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> look at that. If you look at the, the accounts of King Solomon and how when God, actually God appeared to him twice. The first time God came to him and said to him, you know, ask of me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. And he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. And I think it was actually... Um, 
last yesterday at the gathering, um, Linda actually brought it as we were closing. And I was like, oh, that's that story that I had in my heart. My heart. And actually, where he asked for God, what, what, where God asked him, what is it that you want? He, asked, he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for fame. He just asked to be able to rule God's people well, and which he did. And in doing and asking for the right thing, God actually gave him all the other things as well. But if we see, I think it's, uh, I think it's Second Chronicles 9, or a bit, bit later, where God actually speaks to him again. You can see how Solomon has drifted so far. So far from what God originally said to him in the beginning. And actually, God said to him, if you hold my commandments, if you do all these things, if you keep to my precepts, if you keep to all these things, I will bless you. And for a season, Solomon did. But there's a point where suddenly the queen of Egypt looked attractive and he knew that he needed to, you know, improve relations with the neighboring, neighboring countries. And so he married her and actually brought her into, brought her into Israel he actually built her a home that wasn't in his, in his area because he knew that, she, that they shouldn't really be married according to God's rules and laws. Because God had been quite specific about who the Jewish people should marry. And he chose to marry outside of it. And then we see this. And so if we read the book, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but if we see this slippery slide of Solomon, that actually by the time he died, I don't even know if you actually, I don't even know if he's in heaven. Like, kind of, like, like really. I think there's some theologians that look at his life and go, he had slipped so far, had drifted so far from God, so far from these things of God, that there, there's good question, actually, will we one day meet him and talk to him in heaven one day, kind of thing. That actually, he just really, really drifted so far. So those, for me, are just two great examples of a nation and a person that drifted from God. And so if it could have happened to some of the greatest amongst us, you know what? It can happen to us. Really, it can so happen to us. It's like we are not, we are not perfect. We are not like these oaks that are just never going to shift. Never, like that is happening. And you've got to realize drift is happening. It's happening. How do we know that we've drifted, maybe you're asking? How do I know? Because Chad, you say this, and like, how do, how do you know? That I've drifted. But, but before I actually go into it, I want to read a scripture. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And this is a message from the author. And I think it's Paul, hey? Correct. I think there's a bit of, mm, not really sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it's more than likely it was Paul. And he say, he's talking to, to the church. He's talk, talking to those that have come to faith. He's coming to the believers. He's coming to you and me. And he's saying, we, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. And what had they heard? What had they heard? They'd heard the message of Jesus Christ. They'd heard the message, the gospel, that he came that, to save them from their sins, that he had come. That, that was the message, that Jesus had come to restore man to God. He'd come to reconcile man to God. And we heard that even yesterday. We are a people who, are, who believe in a message of reconciliation and restoration. That was the message they had heard. Lest we drift away from it. Pay close attention to this message. Don't forget. You know, what does it mean to pay, pay close attention? Anyone know? <laughs> It means to pay close attention, to fix your gaze, fix your gaze, 
Look at it. Stare at it. Don't lose it. Don't forget it. Pay, pay close attention. Lest you drift away from it. So drift is happening. Let's carry on reading. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How will we escape? How will we escape if we forget this message of reconciliation? If we neglect it, if we drift away from it? There's a warning here, church. There's a warning. Hold on. Stay firm. Don't forget your faith. Don't forget what Jesus did for you on the cross. And it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness, by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Church, drift is happening. And we need to be aware of it. And we must not neglect our salvation. We must not neglect, neglect the things that Christ has called us to. We must not neglect his bride. We must, not, we must pay close attention to one another. Pay close attention to one another. That is, we are the bride of Christ. We are the precious, beautiful bride of Christ. We are being prepared for that wedding day when we will come into the presence of the king and we will be united in him. We will be united in him. We need to pay close attention. And it is my heart as an elder, as, as, as one of these guys, I know that not one of you would ever drift away. It is the hardest thing when guys do drift away. Breaks my heart as a pastor, someone who has a pastor's heart. And a pastor is someone who shepherds the sheep. He looks after, he takes care of their needs. And when one of us decides or drifts away because of things, and I'll look at what those things could be right now, it breaks our heart. And so what are, what are the signs? Let's have a look firstly. What are the signs of drifting away? Well, one of the things is often you lose your joy. Suddenly, you're not excited about coming to church anymore. So it's, it's a mission. Like I, don't want, I don't want to hang out with those people. They're too happy-clappy. They're too friendly. Like, really? Must I really go and serve on AV again? Not you. Haka's always, I mean, I'm getting messages on Wednesday. What are you preaching? Like, she's amazing. These guys are incredible, this AV team. They are so front-footed. I'll tell you what, I love you guys. Rian, you guys do such an incredible job. Uh, yeah, really, it's, 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 it's so amazing serving in a church where the guys serve passionately and just love to serve. But I tell you, the moment you know you've drifted is when actually serving becomes a lass. No, sorry, that's a slang word for me. Is there a good English abbreviation for that? <laughs> hey? A draw. A chore. It's a, it's a burden. That's when you know you've drifted. You lose your joy. Then you know what happens next is you become critical. These acts always ask me to come and serve. They, can't they find someone else? Does it always have to be me? Come on. Who does this roster anyway? I've been serving three weeks in a row now. Can I get a break? Yes. Who left this toilet in a mess? Who's that person that cleans here? Don't they do a proper job? Criticalness creeps in. 
we're drifting. That Chad, he can't preach, eh? He's like, that, he doesn't know what he's on about. Did you see his hair? <laughs> eh? Yes. His daughter, yes. She's, she's pretty cool, but him. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. No, that's how it starts. We get critical. His wife, like, his wife <laughs> she's so loud when she prays. She screams in my face. <laughs> I never get invited for supper by that, those elders. I haven't been in their home since we've been in the church. Chad's never invited us for dinner. Invite yourself. We get critical. We get cynical. We find faults. Am I speaking the truth? I think we're all laughing here with nervous laughter because we actually know I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm hitting it. We drift when we make excuses and we find other things more important than gathering together. Coming together was one of the highest priorities of the New Testament church. It was the highest priority. And I'm telling you now, I think we, have got an, we don't have an inch of what it was like and what it should be like and I think what Jesus died for. We come together on a Sunday and a Wednesday and we think that's too much. They were meeting every day in one another's homes. Every single day. And they weren't just having cook and tear. They were praying. They were worshiping. They were ministering unto Jesus. It was not a chore. It was not a lust. Honestly, we have drifted. The Western church has drifted from what it was intended to be. Jesus died for church. And I said to the guys last week, Sunday, I'm more and more convinced that Jesus did not, like more and more convinced. I know I was convinced before, but I'm more and more convinced that we were not designed to do this thing of Christianity alone. Thinking that a Sunday and a Wednesday is good enough for your walk with God is a lie. It's, you're deceived. I'm sorry. I'm going to just put it out there. We need each other so much. We need each other. And Scripture shows it. So we make excuses. We've drifted. We, we, we're quick to make excuses. Family crises, family commitments are always become, oh, suddenly, oh, no, I've got, I've got that thing on. Suddenly that's more important. And please, hear my heart here. I'm not saying that family things are not important. All right. I believe in family. Very important. Last night, I needed to spend time with my family. We have had a crazy week, and if I did another thing, and actually one of the guys phoned me and asked me, can we have a coffee? And I actually had to say, but I'm sorry, I'm not available tonight. We had been running hard the whole week, and I knew that if I had ducked out and done something, my wife might have not been here this morning. No, she would have been here this morning, but not as chirpy and smiley as she is today. And so there are moments when we have to just pull up the handbrake and go, you know what, right now family is important. But if that is always our excuse, if going away and having a break and resting is always the excuse, there's something that is drifting, something that is shifting that we need. I, like, I can't make it. I can't do it. No, there's always an excuse when you ask help. That's why I love Marie, like the, 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 what, what guys were saying about you. That actually, you know, when, when, there, when there's a need, Marie's hands up. And there are many of you like that in this congregation. When there's a need, when there's a, like, often I'll throw a message on the leaders group or something, hey, guys, we need hosting. Boop, I've got it like, okay, guys, it's okay. We've got enough hands. But when you just suddenly go, I can't do this, there's a shift, a drift, something away. Can I be honest? And I'm going to touch on things, but sometimes even our health and health crisis, sometimes guys ride that rodeo 
It's always like, oh, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I've got to go for my chest. <laughs> Can't come to church. No, I'm just saying, because we know people that will often hide behind health issues. And actually, it's a, it's a sign of drifting. Don't. Don't. You know why I say don't? Because what happens when you drift away from these things and you make all these excuses, compromise creeps in. Compromise creeps in. I know they won't mind me using them, but I love the fact that Roy and Dawn are with us here because they, they moved from Hermanus to Nasner and they couldn't find a church to get slotted into. And I know that if they had just said, oh, we love this lifestyle estate, it's so lovely. I tell you, if they'd stay there, I would, I would really wonder where you would be today with the Lord. Actually, part of, I, I, I keep on saying, I'm convinced God used all those land heart levels that were incorrect to get you here so you could be slotted into family. Because it was hard driving through from Nasda every day. And, there wasn't, and for them, they felt there wasn't a church that they could give themselves to in Nasda. But they're here with us now, and they're counting. They're part of the kingdom. They, 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 they're loving on you guys. Compromise creeps in when we shift, when we drift. Be aware. Quickly. Okay. <laughs> Quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time now. How do we stop the drift? Because there is a way. There is a way. Where are your feet planted firstly? I would say that on solid ground. When we're in the water and when, we, when, we, when we're getting pulled by those currents, the only way that we can fight that current is by letting our feet be planted on the ground. And then we need to look where that flag is and we need to walk. If you lift your legs up and you're not on solid ground, you're going to drift. If you don't look where the flag is, if you can't see where it is, you're not going to land up at your destination. Two very important things. Make sure your feet are planted on a solid ground. That's what I think the writer was saying. Make sure that you don't drift from, from these truths. Make sure that you don't neglect the word, the scripture. Actually, in some of the Proverbs and even in Joshua as well, it talks about that we shouldn't neglect the word. We shouldn't neglect these things. The relationship with Jesus. He is our solid rock. When we are planted on the rock of Jesus, we won't drift. When we are rooted in him, we won't drift. Stay rooted in him, church. Stay rooted, stay grounded in him. Because as that story says, when the seas will come, I mean, I shared it about three weeks ago about being a doer and not just a hearer. But when our feet are planted on the rock of Jesus, the storms will come. The, the drift will happen around us and we will stand planted. Are we rooted? So be careful and we need to pay close attention. Peter, 1 Peter 5 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Hebrews chapter 12, 2. Sorry, I'm just going to run through them because I'm talking too much now. Let us keep, this one, Hebrews 12, 2. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to the end. The songs we were singing this morning, I didn't ask Trev to pick those songs. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. What was the first one again? Was it that one, eh? No. Open the eyes of our heart. But actually, it's... Our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. I, I had that turn your eyes upon Jesus in the prayer, sorry. I want to see you. The only way we can get ourselves out of a problem on the beach when, we, when the waves are washing us and the flags are there is to keep our eyes on the flag, put our feet on the ground. And actually sometimes we need someone to pull us out. We need someone to pull us out. We need to stay connected to each other. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you any evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall, 
or drift away. Some, some, uh, some guys use the word drift away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Are we exhorting one another not to drift away? When we see our brother drifting away, are we the lifeguard that jumps in there and pulls him by the hand and gives him a hand, helping him back? We've got that, it's a pink float in our see all the beaches of these ugly pink floats. They used to be nice yellow and orange ones. Now they've gone pink. I don't know why. Silly. But we need to, we need to have that life boy. We need to be able to, we, we, we need someone who sometimes rescues us. We need someone Around us, And that's why staying connected to one another is so important. Staying connected to each other is so important. And I, I had this beautiful picture as well. I, I saw this picture of it. I mean, we know the scripture in Hebrews 6. It says we have a, an anchor for our soul. We, we always use that, our hope. It's an anchor. Like it holds us fast. And you know what? The chain of that anchor is so important as well. Because if, you've, if any of you have ever done any boating in anywhere, the anchor has got an eye on the end of it. And if you just attach rope to that anchor, it's going to pull it up very easily. It needs a chain to actually hold that eye down so that it's a bit of play. So as the waves knock the boat, that the chain lifts and it falls. And it lifts and it falls, but the anchor still stays in place. And so as I was thinking about that picture, I actually said, Jesus is our anchor. He is the anchor. But it's these links are you and me, connected to him. We're all the links, actually, in the chain that holds the boat in place. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to be in fellowship. That's why we need to be connected so that it helps that anchor stay. And I'm not saying Jesus doesn't need us, but he actually wants us. He wants us to be connected together. And that's not mine. I was so excited last night, was it on Friday night with the leaders actually, with Mike, where he started talking about the armor of God, and this is so important. One of the ways that we can not drift is by clothing ourselves with God's armor. It's not an armor that God has made specifically for us. As often, I'm a, I thought a bit about like that as a young son. Oh, God's made us this armor, this nice little breastplate, and nice little belt, nice little helmet, just fits me. Everyone's got a different helmet. I've got my shoes that fit my feet kind of thing. I'm taking up this little sword. I've got my Bible. Isn't that sometimes the picture that we have in our minds of this armor of God? Where actually, I, when I started looking into that, and Mark shared on it so well on Friday night, actually, it is God's armor on us. It's His actual armor it's his actual armor. In Isaiah, we see it cross-referenced, and I didn't bring all those scriptures, but we can look at it at some point. But it's God's actual armor. And you know what? It's a big armor. It's big boots to fill, but it weighs us down, Young. We're not going to drift with that armor on top of us. I mean, just, I just had this beautiful picture that God puts his armor on us, and that helmet I mean, my, I can imagine a little bit like David felt when he put on Saul's armor, like, no, man, this helmet's too big for me. Yes, it is a big helmet, maybe. Yes, it is a big breastplate, but I tell you what, I'm safe in his armor. I'm safe. I'm weighted down. The drift can happen, and I'm staying where I'm at. I'm staying where I'm at. 
And that is my prayer for us as a people, is that we would stay grounded, rooted in Him, that we wouldn't drift. And I tell you what, it's going to happen. I hope, you, I hope you see that. So be aware. Are you forewarned? How's that good old saying? Forewarned is forearmed. When you see what's coming, you know what to expect. So do your best. Make yourself ready. Clothe yourself in the armor of God. Make sure that you're grounded in the Word of God and Scripture, that you're spending time with the believers praying. Because it's, I tell you what, I find it easy, and I'll be honest with you, I find it so much easier to pray with you guys than I do alone. Is there, is there anyone else like that? I, I, like for me, that just goes to show that actually God put us in community. I find it easier to worship and sing like we do when I'm with you guys and I'm not alone. I mean, yes, I'm fairly musical, but I tell you what, it's easier for me to do it with you guys. I'd, like, I'd really like to ask, how many of us actually do worship alone at home often? I think there are very few of us that do do that. Maybe the very devoted type. Don't put up your hands. Don't, don't, don't embarrass me. <laughs> but I think, I think it's a very real reality that we actually, when we're together, we worship better. When we're together, we pray better. When we're when we together, and, and again, it's not just about cook and tear. It's about finding Jesus, finding His face, finding His face together. We cannot isolate ourselves. Some of us have been isolated for a long time. We've chosen because we've been hurt, because we've become, because, and actually, you know, with the, often what happens in that drift, suddenly the current gets stronger because Someone's, someone does something, and then the current just gets even stronger. We get pulled further, and we've got hurt, or we've got offended, and we become more critical, more cynical, more judgmental. And we drift further, and we drift further, and we drift further. And I actually felt this, I felt this was a little bit prophetic, actually, a little while ago. And, I, and, and, it was, and, I, and it's not just for us as a congregation. I think it's something for Josh Jen. I think it's something for us in this time that we need to, <clears throat> we need to hear the Lord, and we need to respond, and we need to actually say, Lord Jesus, like, we all need to repent. I, honestly, I, I believe we do. There's not one of us here that hasn't drifted. I've drifted. I, I find myself the, the other day going, man, I've drifted. Sometimes in my thought life, I, it, like, those little things, oh, man, I've drifted. And you know, <clears throat> God is so incredibly gracious that He just allows us to come back to Him. When we repent, when we come before Him, He's got His arms stretched. He says, I've got you. I've got you. I'll pull you back. I'll pull you closer. I'll pull you closer. I'll pull you closer. I'll pull you in. And we set our feet on him. We anchor into, we, we link into each other and we attach ourselves to him being the anchor. And I tell you what, the drift may come, but it'll be easier to stay in one place. Let's not neglect this. Let's be alert. Let's be awake. Let's be vigilant. Let's be watchful and hold on to Jesus when we stand together.